Hey, this is the mayor of the airways. How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? Another beautiful day in paradise. And uh, 27 years on the air, 40,000 interviews or more, actually, in 27 years. We have the governor of the airwaves in here today, and he is David Walsh. Good morning, David. How you doing? Very good. Good morning. All right. On the link calling in, I believe, from Tallahassee. Are you, Mark Mink is on the line, a state chairman for the protection of human life. Are you there, Mark? Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning to you, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? Um, well, it's a little rainy down here. Are you in Tallahassee? Where are you? Uh, no, sir. I'm up in the Gainesville area. Oh, Gainesville. Okay, near Ocala and all that. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, that's a nice. That's a nice area up there. And uh, what do you do for a living, if you don't mind my asking? Well, for probably thirty years or so, I've been in the corporate world, uh, business sales operations, management, things of that nature, up until about three years ago mm -hmm. when I started working full-time on this initiative that I'm going to be sharing with you today. Well, I tell you what, I, I want to let you know that uh, yeah, the, uh, the Scripture clearly states if you see evil and you don't try to correct it, the blood will be on your hands. But if you see evil and you attempt to correct it, though you fail, says the Lord of hosts, uh, the blood will not be on your hands. Now, for me, I cannot understand <clears throat> how people... I, I, I understand, even with the, the, the Hasidic Jews, a mother's life, the only time you can take the child is if it, if it does threaten the mother's life. And I understand that, but uh, people try to bring up this rape thing, and it's like 1% of 1% of 1% with this rape thing. Uh, but uh, to, to willfully uh, kill babies... It's just, I just can't believe we're even having this conversation, Mark. Well, I agree with you. It's a sad state of affairs uh, in 2021 in the United States of America to be discussing this, but yeah. unfortunately the the killing of preborn children in the wombs of their mothers is not a new thing, and it's not an American thing. It's been with us from the beginning of time, so unfortunately we're dealing with it here and now, but we live in Florida, and we have an opportunity to do something about it. So I appreciate the opportunity to share with your listeners today. Yeah, I mean, even scripturally in Baal, uh, they would take these statues, they would set the put fires around these statues that had their arms extended, and then they would take live babies and sacrifice them to gods and putting the mm -hmm. live babies on the arms of these heated uh, statues. I just, I don't, I just... I just, it, 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 anyway, what can we do to help you as the uh, state chairman for Protect Human Life? So here's what we can do, and it's really very simple. So let me give you a little backstory. Yes, sir. What we're engaging in is a citizen initiative to amend the Florida Constitution. Florida is one of, I think, about 26 states that has a provision within its constitution where its citizens can propose amendments to the state constitution. And so it's a great opportunity that we have. Obviously, it's a difficult process, as you might expect. I don't want everybody, for every reason, uh, changing our governing document. But we have that opportunity, and the process involves our getting a petition signed by Florida voters. And the petition that we're circulating uh, is has a simple ballot summary and a ballot title. The ballot title is Human Life Protection Amendment. And the ballot summary is one sentence, 20 words, that says all human beings have a right to life, regardless of age, illness, or disability, 
when there is a detectable heartbeat. Now, everybody on our team knows that life begins at conception and should be protected from that point. Yeah. But we were looking for a ballot summary that could not only make it onto the ballot, but once it was on the ballot, we actually want to win the election. And in Florida, one of the unique uh, parts of the Florida process is that we require 60% approval for a proposed amendment to pass. I think we may be the only state in the country that requires that high of a threshold. So we were looking for language that would involve as much protection as possible, not just for the preborn, but through the spectrum of life. So we're talking about uh, the elderly, the infirm, the disabled, uh, and, of course, preborn children from the point of a detectable heartbeat. So to answer your question about what your listeners can do to help, they can sign our petition. If they're a registered voter, they can go to our website, which is heartbeathero.org, heartbeathero.org, and they can print a copy of the petition. It's not an online petition. The state does not provide that opportunity for Florida voters. They have to actually print out the actual hard copy petition. And then there's a section in the middle that just simply says, I'm a registered voter of Florida, and hereby petition the Secretary of State to place the above proposed amendment to the Florida Constitution on the ballot in the general election. And they write their name, their address, the county that they reside in, uh, they put their date of birth, they sign it, and they put the date they signed it. It takes less than a minute to fill it out. The address that it needs to be mailed to is on the petition itself, and they can put it in an envelope and send it back to us. That's the biggest the, thing that your listeners can do to help us. The name of the website, again, is heartbeathero.org, right? That's, that's correct. Yes, Heartbeathero.org. Now, is that the official title of your organization? No, our title, actually, let me give it a little more kind of uh, mechanics of this. So okay. when a citizen or a citizen group wants to engage in this process in Florida, they have to form a sponsoring committee, a political action committee. And so uh, someone has to be the chairman of that entity, and that's me. Uh, the Lord put this on my heart back in 2018, and so uh, I had the pleasure of helping get this kite off the ground, and so I serve as the state chairman for Protect Human Life Florida, which is the sponsoring committee of this initiative. So when someone uh, prints out this petition, they'll see in the middle of, uh, kind of toward the top of it, above where they fill in their information, it says, Sponsors Information. It says sponsor name, Protect Human Life Florida. That's our sponsoring committee, and it has our address up in the Gainesville area where they can mail these petitions. So that's the sponsoring committee, but the name of the amendment, uh, the proposed amendment that we're proposing for the 2022 ballot, is the Human Life Protection Amendment. So that's the title of the amendment, and once we qualify for ballot placement, that will appear on the ballot, the title, Human Life Protection Amendment, and the ballot summary, all human beings have a right to life regardless of age, illness, or disability, when there's a detectable heartbeat. How many names do you require to be able to put this before on the ballot? Great question. It's a big number, and let me tell you where the number is derived from. Uh, the number that we require to qualify for ballot placement is 800 and 91,589. Wow. Hold on. 801,000, eight right? And what? 891. Eight, 891-589. Eight, eight, 589. Eight, 
Now, what a weird number. What's that all about? So that number, and it is a weird number on the surface, probably easier just to say 892,000, but that exact number represents 8% of all of the votes that were cast in the 2020 presidential election. So the way this process is structured well, is... Wait, wait, wait a second, 10% of what was in 8%. the... 8%. Oh, 8%. 8%. But, but, the, uh, but you mean the presidential election just for Florida? Just for Florida. So there were a little over 11 million votes cast in Florida in the presidential election. And the way that this process works is once that presidential election oh, has been... Oh. Has has been certified. The results. The only they thing take is that number times eight percent. That just seems like a lot. How are you going to get eight hundred and ninety one thousand five hundred and eighty nine people to to do? I mean, th- people really have to care. Well, it's it's not only that they have to care. I think the bigger issue is they just have to become aware. And uh, let me let me tell you a story that uh, will help your listeners understand how this is working on our end. We're we're in what we call the petition phase, meaning that. We're in the phase of this process where we are circulating the petition to get these signatures. And also, uh, if you want to round the number up to an easy round number, let's just say we need to get a million. And the reason for that is because when we turn these in to the supervisors of elections of the various counties, they're not all going to be validated. Someone will forget to sign one. Someone's not registered to vote. Someone will sign sign two of them accidentally. Sure, sure, exactly. So uh, that being said, uh, traditionally when when organizations or or citizens engage in this, you want to go way over the mark. So let's just say it's a million. Well, you look at this and you go, wow, that's a lot of petitions, but there's, it's also a big state and that $11 million or that 11 million uh, vote number that I shared with you in the 2020 election, that's not all the registered voters. There's about 14 million plus registered voters. So there's a lot of registered voters out there that can sign us. So here's a story I want to share with you. I grew up uh, going to the tailor shop of my grandfather, who had, uh, had come over from Italy as a young man, and he had a tailor shop in the Gainesville area that he worked out of for about 50 years in the same location. It was, it was just a beautiful place, and everyone that walked up and down the sidewalk knew my grandfather. And I would go in as a child, and uh, he was there making suits and mending people's clothes. And as you might imagine, there were straight pins that would fall all over the floor during the day. So I would come in, and he would hand me this magnet that was attached to a big rope. And I would just walk through the tailor shop with the magnet hovering above the floor. It was a gigantic magnet. And these straight pins would just jump off of the floor and stick to the magnet. I didn't have to sweep them up. I didn't have to pick them up. I just got anywhere in their vicinity, and they were attracted to the magnet. That's what we're finding with this Human Life Protection Amendment. When we get this anywhere in the vicinity of people that share our conviction on the sanctity of human life Mm -hmm. and the perversion of justice that allows vulnerable human life to be uh, taken in our country and in our state, people to gravitate just naturally to the initiative and want to sign the petition. So what you're doing is a great service in that you're making your listeners aware of it that might not be. And so we ask them not only to sign the petition, but to tell their friends and share the news of the initiative with uh, their pastors and other like-minded organizations and people in churches and ministerial associations, because when we can get into groups that have large groups of people, whether it's a a club or a committee or a meeting or a church or any type of organization, 
uh, we can bring in packets of 20 of these petitions and circulate the packets. And we call these petition partner packets. And we ask supporters to take these packets and go and get 20 of their friends to sign them and then mail them back to us. And that's how we multiply the efforts so that we can meet our objective. Well, I, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, well, I want to participate. I want to know. Uh, I want to. I want to work together in the future on this because, you know, I've uh, I've I've at least gone down and I protested in front of the uh, clinic in Fort Pierce <clears throat> the past year. I don't maybe two or three times, and I used to think that was of no effect, David. I used to think it was no effect. I said, well, ah, people are not converted to understanding abortion is murder. Uh, I, when I was back in the '60s, you know, I'm a 67 year old guy. I'm a wood stalker and uh, you know if a girlfriend had gotten pregnant back then I and she wanted an abortion I would have said well that's your business not mine uh, but when the oh, the holiness of God touched me at the age of 29 suddenly I knew truth the spirit of truth and that was that this is murder uh, but I and so I said well why bother protesting well I want to tell you this studies show that if there are people that are there uh, protesting at a site Eighty percent of the women there who come in for an abortion will turn around, leave, and not end up getting an abortion. So you're saving lives when you do that. And you know, right in this, right in this very room, I had the doctor that was there. What was that? Te- what was that movie that was out a couple of years ago about the lady that worked <clears throat> for the uh, plan? unplanned? Okay, so unplanned. so guess what? The doctor in the movie. Is a real doctor, and he sat right yeah. there, right there, David, right to the left of me, and he 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 committed twelve, at least twelve hundred uh, abortion slash murders in his lifetime until his little three year old girl ran out in front of the house and got hit by a car, and the next oh, day he was pulling the arms and the legs out of this woman's womb. He said, "I had to continue because that's part of the. If you leave anything in there, she'll get an infection and die." So, but he said, "That's it." And he wiped his hands clean and ha- has had a spiritual conversion to the best of my knowledge, so he says. And he sat right in this room. I mean, it took the death of his little three-year-old, though, to wake him up to the murders he was committing. And so... so They are committing murders, yeah. and they're selling body parts, which is horrendous. I mean, I cannot believe that they compound their sin by selling body parts of these unfortunate babies. Yeah, I told you what they did with Baal. Look at what, look when Moses was going to be born. They had uh, the Pharaoh, had all the uh, young males uh, to be killed in uh, uh, so, the, so, the, so, the, so the promised uh, leader of the prophesied that, that the, uh, the leader would come, Moses, you know, that he would be killed. And, and of course, uh, that's when, uh, what was it, uh, was it, who was it that put the baby in, in a basket and at the, the Pharaoh's uh, wife, I think it was, found the baby. Yeah, Moses' sister. Oh, Miriam. sister. Miriam. And so she took, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, but the the baby was taken. Well, anyway, we know the whole story. But the point is, and then when Jesus was going to be born, and they, the prophets were saying, you know, behold, the time is coming close for this Messiah. And what did they do? Uh, this uh, who's, who's the guy who was in charge of the Romans? The Herod? Yeah, but what is he called? What's his title? The emperor. Oh, I don't know if he was he the emperor of Rome. But anyway, he put out a decree. No, he was the king. 
It was King Herod. Oh, the King, King, King put, Herod. Put out a decree because he didn't want somebody subjugating his authority or his throne. And of course, then even the even this the, those were, were destined to be future Christians or completed Jews. Uh, they, they they weren't happy with Jesus, even though he was healing people and proclaiming love. They expected a general to come along; that this Messiah was going to. Uh, they were going to get on horseback and they were going to get their weapons and they were going to fight and be emancipated. And uh, they were not expecting someone who was talking about a spiritual kingdom. So even the even some of his followers were blinded. You know, it's uh, the foibles of mankind, right? I mean, I'm, uh, I presume you're a Christian guy. Are you? Yes, I am. Well, good for you. Uh, now, 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 did you start this organization, and do you take uh, donations from, from people that can, you know, afford to give, whether it's $10 or $10,000? Uh, do you take donations? Well, here's how this started, uh, and I'll answer both of those questions, because we can certainly use financial help from anyone that's able to, but I'll start with your first question. It was February of 2018, and I attended a men's prayer breakfast that was hosted by our local pregnancy resource center up in the Gainesville area. And I had an opportunity to hear a man present that morning. I don't know if you've ever interviewed or met Saul Pichon. Does that name sound familiar to you? No, but go ahead. Uh, he's, He's worked for years with New Life Solutions on the west coast of Florida in the Tampa, St. Pete, Largo area. And he has an amazing story. I'd never heard his story until that morning. But his mother, as a teenage girl, survived an attempted sterilization procedure in a Nazi concentration camp. And a Nazi doctor had removed one of her ovaries and was about to go in for the second one when apparently planes started flying over and bombs started being dropped close by. So this uh, German doctor left the operating room and turned the procedure over to a Jewish doctor that had been forced to participate at threat of death. And so when the Nazi doctor left the room, this uh, Jewish doctor, instead of removing this young woman's other ovary, uh, he sewed her back up and sent her back to her barracks, made her promise not to tell anyone, and said to her, if you ever have children, remember me. And the man that was speaking that morning uh, in February of 2018 was her firstborn son, whose no. name is Solomon. He's still alive? And he, he's still alive. I want to interview uh, him, please. You, you need to interview him. He, he, he's a remarkable man. And, and I, I can just tell you that having been a pro-life guy my whole life, I was sitting there in that room that morning, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, about 100 men there that were there to just hear about the sanctity of human life and some of the issues taking place in the state. But I was totally unprepared to hear his testimony, and it just really got my attention. And then shortly after that, they played an audio clip uh, that's uh, from the end of a speech given by a man named Peter Heck, where it, uh, rep- it's an audio representation of all the deaths from, uh, from abortion in the United States since 1973, since Roe v. Wade was decided. And it contrasts these deaths with all the deaths from all the wars of America's past. Uh, And the audio representation is a BB hitting the side of a tin can where every BB represents 10,000 lives lost. And it's about a two-minute audio clip, and they played it with with really no introduction. And I think on the heels of having heard this man's amazing story and seeing him alive to share it right there in front of the room, and then hearing this audio representation, I was just crushed in my spirit. I just thought, Lord, help us. <laughs> what, am, 
what am I to do with this? You know, what do I do with what, what, what's happening in me right now? And there was a man that came up afterwards and spoke, uh, and he, he's a businessman in the Gainesville area that uh, has a very successful uh, business, and the Lord put on his heart uh, years earlier to go and pray outside of uh, the abortion clinic in Gainesville, similar to what you were talking about, Rhett, and he kind of wrestled with God on it as well. Is this really doing anything? Is this going to change anything? Uh, and he, he kind of argued with the Lord about, hey, I've got to you know, support my family. I've got this business and these employees. And, and he felt like the Lord impressed upon him, hey, that's why I gave you this business, so you could schedule your own time. Mm-hmm. And so he scheduled one Thursday out of every week, he would schedule it to go and pray and talk with the young men and young women coming in. And uh, he'll only know on the other side of eternity uh, the impact that it made. But here, here's the impact it made for me that morning. He'd been doing it for four years. And he talked about having been convicted on this issue, but he said that there's a level beyond conviction that's called anguish. And he said, when you reach the point of anguish, you can no longer do nothing. You have to do something. And what he challenged the men that morning, Rhett and David, is he said, um, what's the Lord put on your heart? He said, that's what you need to do. And he said, if every man in here would just do what the Lord put on his heart, things would change. And I knew that morning that I could no longer do just what I had been doing, because what I had been doing up to that point, uh, other than praying over the issue, and obviously there's power in prayer, but I had been supporting candidates that professed to be pro-life, and I had been supporting our local pregnancy resource center. But I hadn't been doing more than that. And that morning, I really asked the Lord, I said, what would you have me do? It's kind of a, here, here am I. That's a send me moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, that birthed this in my heart, and it took uh, quite a while to put it all together and do the research and put the team together and figure it all out. But here we are, you know, three years later uh, in, in the sprint to get this done. And so those that want to help can go to that same website, heartbeathero.org. There's a donate tab, as you might expect at the top. and. They can make a contribution. Any amount helps. And like you said, $10, $10,000, we're thankful for any help because we, we've, we just ordered 60,000 packets. Each packet has 20 petitions in it. That's 1.2 million blank petitions uh, that uh, we're circulating around the state at various hub sites in different counties around the state. With well, can you, can you, send some, can you, you want to send some to us? Be glad to. I'd be honored to. We'll absolutely send them to Okay, first of all, when we get off the air today, you have my personal cell number, that 777 number you were texting yes, me on yesterday. Please text yes, me. You, call from, uh, text me from your personal cell phone. So I can marry that into my phone, and then uh, and then uh, I'll I'll text you back my address here, unless you want me to give it to you now. No, I got to do that okay. later. We'll okay. take the time, whatever you want to share now. We'll, we'll, I'll follow up with you as soon as we get this done. This sounds with the call. good. All right, we're about out of time now. It's heartbeathero.org. Heartbeathero.org. And uh, also, I would please send me Solomon Pitchman's. Is that his name? Pitchin? Pitchin? Uh, Pitchon. Pitchon. P I T C H O N. Saul. He goes by Saul. Saul Pitchon. Saul. Okay. So he, he's still very much alive. And uh, Oh, yes, sir. So he's the one you heard speak, and he changed your life. Well, the Lord changed my life using him as the vessel. Well, I can't wait to meet him and talk to him. All right. So, uh, heartbeathero.org. Remember, the Lord says if you see evil and you fail to correct it, the blood will be on your hands. But if you attempt to correct it, though you fail, the blood will not be on your hands. 
So we all need to stand up for the human rights, and uh, this is the human life protection um, let's, let's say that amendment. The, amendment, the Human Life yeah. Protection Amendment, and you need to write to your legislators. You need to stand up for what is right. And uh, for any other information, go to heartbeathero.org, and you can talk to Mark Mink. How do you spell Mink? M I C M I N C. Mink. M I N C K. M I N C K. M I N C K. Okay. Well, st- stay in touch with us, and I'll expect to hear that text later today from you. And thank you for coming on our broadcast. Oh, it's my honor, Red. Thank you for, for the opportunity and uh, the chance to share with your listeners. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that silence in the face of evil is itself evil. He yeah. said, God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, and not to act is to act. So it's time to speak and it's time to act, and you've helped us do that today. So thank you so much. Okay, don't be a stranger. Let's get this thing rolling, and we'll help you in every way we can. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you both. God bless you, sir.